This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Great to have you along for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Glad to have this guy back. It's Vivek Ramaswamy. He is the um, uh, the CEO over at uh, a great company called Strive Asset Management. He's got a book out called his uh, uh, Nation of Victims. Nation of Victims. And I, I don't know, I heard something about you maybe running for office soon. Vivek, first of all, great to see you again. Thanks for all you do. I told you before we started, I'm really getting a kick out of everything that you're doing on on social media, everything you're doing on, on network television. Thank you for bringing, you know, what America's really good um, to, to, to the public, because I don't think we hear that enough. Thank you. I appreciate that, Joe. Back at you, too. I think that once we take down those silos in conversation and start talking openly again, I think good things are going to happen in our country, so I'm trying to do my part. I want to ask you about the news of the day today. We haven't talked about this, but I'm guessing you might have an opinion. Joe Biden does some unexpected, unplanned trip to Ukraine when we've got people in East Palestine, Ohio, who are suffering. They don't know if they can drink the water. They don't know if they could breathe the air. They don't know if their homes are safe. Biden hasn't gone there yet. I don't think Buttigieg has gone there yet. Trump announces that he's going to go on Wednesday. Then suddenly FEMA has some money for East Palestine. We've got some major problems here in the United States, Vivek. What's this guy doing over there? Do you know? I think it's a stunt. I think that if Ohio was Ukraine, we'd have sent billions by now. That's yeah. exactly the way this game is played. I'm talking about talking to you from Ohio right now. The dirty little secret, though, is if this had happened, not even in Ukraine, half-joking aside, but even in Washington, D.C. or New York City, the response of the administration would have been fundamentally different. There's no doubt about that in anyone's mind. I don't think anybody would really dispute that. And the people in Ohio know it. And I think that is what creates this culture of mistrust. I'm sorry to say it is a well-founded mistrust because they have no reason to believe the likes of Pete Buttigieg or anybody else who effectively says that they can, you know, go back to their homes or whatever it is they're getting from their leadership. They have been given no reason to trust the people in power. And I think whether it's what's happening in Ohio or even, I mean, I think it's as part and parcel of the same topic, what's happening at the southern border, fentanyl that's crossing our country from Chinese raw materials shipped to cartels, now actually pushing fentanyl across the border resulting in 100,000 deaths per year on U.S. soil, that I think is a good use case for the U.S. military or for military power or for force, not for protecting somebody else's border at no cost without accountability. And yet it just reveals why they're doing it. It is to create a smokescreen to deflect attention from the actual problems we face here on U.S. soil. And I'm, I'm glad that President Trump I'm trying to do my part, that the right voices here are not going to stand down or go down lightly without pointing out that hypocrisy. It's Vivek Ramaswamy. Go to VivekRamaswamy.com. Get his book, Nation of Victims. And again, he's the the founder of Strive Asset Management. I want to get into in earnest what that's all about in a moment. Uh, As you know, I'm in Texas, so the southern border is not very far from me. Um, This governor has done some to to try to shore up the border, although we really can't because of the Constitution. But I just want to give you something that's an aside. Uh, the other day I wrote something about how bad Biden is. Just a tweet. And Keith Olbermann responded to me. 
And before telling me to F off or F myself, which is all he's really good for, he said, because I listed a bunch of things that Biden has broken, including the border. He said the border is fine. And what jumped out at me, not that Keith, uh, you know, Olbermann means anything to me. He used to when he was a sportscaster. I thought he was pretty good. But um, the fact is, there are a lot of people like Keith Olbermann. There are millions of people in this country, Vivek, that don't think there's a problem at our border. And what you just said is just the tip of the iceberg. It is horrendous. I'm talking about sex uh, um, um, slavery, uh, human trafficking. There are rape trees where little girls are raped and the cartel members put their underwear on tree limbs. That's how bad it is. It's a it's an inhumane thing that's happening for those who are coming here illegally. And it's also horrific for those of us here in the country that are seeing these people just show up in our streets. El Paso is a complete mess. So when you see somebody like like a Keith Olbermann, he's not alone. A lot of people don't think there's a problem. Well, I, the thing that bothers me is why in polite company you're not allowed to talk about the use of U.S. force to treat these cartels like what they are, yes. terrorist groups. And I'm not, I'm not just talking about freezing their assets. I'm talking about actually treating them like terrorist groups, like you treat bin Laden, like you treat Soleimani. You look at the number of deaths and the number and the toll and casualties here in the United States as a consequence of fentanyl alone, let alone the related violence of the cartels now on our side of the border. That's got to be something that we can't, you know, with ease, take on somebody else's war on the other side of the world without actually taking up our own cause and defending our border and even our homeland here at home from what is one of the greatest threats that we're facing on American soil. And so that's not even so much a Republican versus Democrat issue. It's somewhat of a consensus in modern defense-oriented thinking. I have yet to hear a good answer why we should not view that as one of the best uses of U.S. force, including military force, including airstrikes today to take them out in the same way we might have taken down bin Laden when you look at the tens of thousands of deaths accumulating here per year. I think that that's a precondition for then doing what needs to be doing, which is actually close the Swiss cheese and actually build the wall or something equivalent to it. But I think that unfortunately, while that might have been a great solution alone 10 years ago, precisely because we did not do it completely, now we need to actually go one step further and solve the upstream problem with the cartels south of the border and then secure the border. And I think this is one of the top, top both domestic policy priorities and foreign policy priorities. And it turns out if it's a top foreign policy priority, it probably relates to a top domestic priority right. as well. That's what it actually means to put America first. It's Vivek Ramaswamy. Uh, go to his website. Just his first and last name, to, uh, last name together. Get his book called Nation of Victims. It's interesting. When Biden went to the border finally, and it's the first time in his 50 years in government that he went, uh, he was standing next to the big, beautiful wall. I guess he felt safe next to the wall, which I found very interesting. But you, you make a very, very important point. We would have dropped drone strikes on these people had they been in the Middle East, had they been almost anywhere else except in Mexico. I don't know why we're not doing it, but, but I will say this. I don't think the American public is ready for it. The reason why is because of the gaslighting I just talked about. Most of the American public isn't paying attention. They believe... Biden. They believe uh, KJP from the press secretary's office. They believe people like Oberman. How do we how do we make them understand? I'm doing the work. You're doing the work. But how do we make them really understand that what's happening at the southern border is a humanitarian crisis on both sides for both sides uh, for people on both ends? Well, I think we need to take that communication to the next level, which is exactly why I'm contemplating the different ways I, I might be able to do that. I think each of us should look in the mirror and ask ourselves how we can each play our role. But I think that this is not an issue that's just limited to Texas. I think we need to stop talking about this as a southern border issue, not because that isn't the right way to frame it, but you're asking about a question of persuasion. Let's talk about the fentanyl epidemic in the United States itself, because that's something that reaches not just 
to the southern border of Texas, but all the way up to the northeast, to the northwest of the United States. Yes. I think somebody's, nearly every person in this country is only one or two degrees of separation removed is somebody who's been, who's been afflicted by this, I would really say epidemic is what I'd call it. it is. And the reason, now let's go to the reason why. How are we actually gonna address that? It is directly a function of a supply side incentive that the cartels now have, taking cheap raw materials from China, increasing the profit margin they're able to book, which is exactly why they're pushing across that Swiss cheese. And unfortunately, the Swiss cheese of our border I'm talking about. Yeah. And now the cartels exist on the U.S. side of the border as well. So I think we need to treat this as a, an issue of actually fighting terrorism, not the domestic terrorism sideshow that the Biden administration has been complaining about from time to time over the last two years, but the actual terrorist in the failed narco state south of the U.S. border go upstream, solve that problem, and then do what we should have done 10 years ago, actually building a wall or the equivalent to secure it. But not right now, that alone isn't even going to do it. We're going to have to go further than that. That's going to involve use of U.S. military force yes. to do it. But if there's one good use case, I think this is it. Well, if you think about it, if five to seven million people lined up at the border and said we're going to invade now, we would put our military there. But the, the fact that they've done it over two years, we act like it's some humanitarian thing and we have to accept everybody who comes. As you know, 80 to 90 percent uh, get denied asylum if they even show up for their court date, which none of them will because they're given a court date. Maybe they gave a fake name. Now they're in the workforce and they're taking jobs away from Americans. It's Vivek Ramaswamy. Go to VivekRamaswamy.com. Get his book, Nation of Victims. I want to get into your possible future in a second, but I want to talk about Strive Asset Management. Because the goal, the value system there is what I thought the value system was in America my entire upbringing. I'm, I'm a driven guy. I've succeeded because I'm very, very driven. And I know that if I'm good at something, I can probably succeed using that something that I'm good at. Um, that's called meritocracy. Um, I remember Michael Jordan when he was the, the king of the world playing basketball saying, even Republicans buy sneakers. He didn't care what your politics were because he was trying to sell a product. And that's sort of your value system as well, right? Do it right. Do the best you can. Make it about the product or the service. Don't make it about your politics. That's one of the beautiful things about the American way is that we live, yes, in a diverse, divided, democratic body politic. But the only reason that's able to stand is if we have other apolitical institutions that hold us together. Free market capitalism is one of those sources of glue. And you know, people don't give capitalism enough credit. One of the roles of capitalism is yes, it is the best known system known to mankind to lift people up from poverty, but it is also a basis for solidarity in an otherwise diverse and divided democracy. Tocqueville observed this in America 160 some odd years ago. It's as true today where I don't want Republican sneakers and democratic sneakers. I don't want a red economy and a blue economy. I know Marjorie Taylor Greene today I think she was provocative, but she was putting her finger on an interesting pulse, saying that we need a national divorce. Well, that's implicitly where we're heading, but I personally think we can still find those ideals that unify us across those differences. And one of the best ways to rediscover that is by keeping the private sector apolitical, which was why I founded Strive, to mandate companies using shareholder power and voice to tell them to knock it off with the politics and go back to making products and services for people who need it, and to do it unapologetically, yes, to make money, because that's a big part of what binds us together, too. Yeah. No, I think I think it's a great point. What's interesting is the dividers, generally speaking on the left, the dividers don't want us to talk to each other. They don't want us to buy each other's goods. But if you and I talked about it, we probably could come to the decision that 70 to 80 percent we agree on. Uh, almost everybody. I think you and I agree on much more than that. But but anybody who's watching or listening right now, we probably all, uh, as a uh, conglomeration, uh, agree on 70 to 80 percent of everything. The government wants us to believe 
that this person, because of their ancestry, hates that person. This person, because of their wealth, hates that person. This person, because of what they drive, hates that person. And for some reason, we buy it. And maybe it's because they own you know, social media and the big uh, academia, the Hollywood, music, sports. They own everything. Maybe that's why the message gets across. You agree with me that we, generally speaking, agree on the majority of things in America. And then we've got some things we can argue about, but we don't hate each other. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I would just phrase it with one tweak, which is I think that most of us agree on the basic rules of the road, yes. okay, the principles of meritocracy, of free speech and open debate as a mechanism of settling political questions, that the people who we elect to run the government should be the ones who actually run the government, not a cancerous federal bureaucracy. I think most Americans agree on those basic rules of the road. They might disagree on corporate tax rates or a wide range of other smaller questions, yeah. But those are details. Those are just details by comparison. Most Americans agree on the basic principles. Most Americans think their neighbors and their colleagues agree on those basic principles too, but they can't be sure anymore because now you're not allowed to talk about it. And so my view is if we're able to break down those conversational barriers and start talking openly again, we will discover that 80% of this country agrees on the ideals that set this nation into motion 250 years ago. And that's what leaves me optimistic that we could be on the doorstep of a national revival, but it's not going to happen automatically. It's interesting. What you just said was so, so interesting. and so, so absolutely spot on. We're not allowed to talk about it. You know, I, I don't live that way. You don't live that way. I talk for a living. I'll say anything I want. If they want to cancel me, whatever. But people literally are afraid of being excommunicated from society if they say the wrong thing, aren't they? That's right. And that's the new culture of fear that's replaced our culture of free speech in America. And as I've often said, I think I've said it to you before when we've been chatting, the best measure of the health of a democracy is the percentage of people who feel free to say what they actually think in public. And there is no doubt we are doing poorly, but I think we can fix it. You know, fear is contagious, but courage can be contagious too. It just takes more people to actually exhibit it before it starts spreading. So keep at it, my man. And and I think more of us need to, and I still remain optimistic that if we do, we're on the doorstep of, I don't mean this in some cheesy kind of way. I think, I think it's actually can be true that our best days are still ahead of us, yeah. that we're not in this inevitable national decline. But again, it's going to take more people exhibiting that courage to make it contagious. And once it is, it's going to happen with a vengeance in the best of ways. It's uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. Go to his website, VivekRamaswamy.com. Get his, get his book, Nation of Victims. Check out Strive Ad, uh, Asset Management as well. Okay, so what does your future look like? You're a guy who has been a, a wild, crazy American success story, CEO of, se- of several firms. You're a guy out there writing books, and you're a best-selling author now. What's in the future? Are, I'm just going to ask you, are you running for elected office? I'm seriously considering a run for president this cycle. I've been pretty candid about that. I don't believe in being coy. I expect to make a decision pretty soon, I would very soon in the near term. Uh, by the end of this month, I'll, I'll certainly have a decision on that. But I think it's less about the me or the who or the, or, or the bio, biographical details of any person who runs for office. I think we need to define the what and the why. Okay. What do we actually stand for? Start in the conservative movement. What do we actually stand for? Why do we stand for it? And, it, and I think in this presidential cycle, that needs to be the first question. I think part of the reason you see the Republicans obsessing over the question of the who, the McCarthy or the somebody else, the Ronna McDaniel or somebody else, right. or even Donald Trump or somebody else, is it's a symptom of the fact that the Republican Party hasn't yet defined what its actual agenda is. Some Republicans like to recite slogans back then memorized in 1980, pretending like big government's the only threat to liberty. 
Others, I think, are, are interested in criticizing the left, and you and I have done plenty of that too, yes. but we need to offer affirmative solutions. And I think that if we're able to offer a vision of national identity, defining what it means to be an American today, we can dilute that woke agenda to irrelevance. That's what I'm interested in doing by reviving those basic ideas from meritocracy to free speech to the unapologetic pursuit of excellence in America. I think that's what it means to be American. And one way or another, I'm on a mission to revive that national identity. I expect to make a decision soon as to whether or not running for president is going to be the way that I do it. I would be amazing, but I've got to tell you something. You, you've got the steamroller in Trump. You've got DeSantis, who you know is probably going to jump in. Pompeo looks like he's going to be in. Nikki Haley looks like she's going to be in. Is that a consideration when you make a decision like this, or is it keep your eye on the prize, and the prize is bringing this country back to where it should be on the road to greatness? It's the latter. It's pr- The prize is the national identity that we're missing that I think we can revive. To me, any of us, I mean, the idea of, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm an America first conservative. I'm yes. pretty unapologetic about that. But to put America first, we have to define what America is. We have to rediscover what America is. And that's what I see is missing a little bit in our movement. And I, I, it's what, I, what I've actually focused my last three years on identifying the problem. Yes, the woke cancer, but the national identity that we've lost at the heart of it. And for better or worse, it's not somebody else's vision that I'm channeling. It's one that I've developed over the last several years. Right. I'm going to be whether or not it's through a presidential race, unapologetic about standing for that vision. And then I think once we've dis- dis- decided on this question of the what and the why, the who just becomes that much easier. To me, that's a 2024 question. But 2023 in this presidential cycle better darn well be about defining that agenda, defining the solutions, defining where we go from here. President Trump did a great job of highlighting problems that nobody else in either party was talking about for decades before him, China included. Yeah. But the question now is where we go from here I have a vision, and, and to the extent I do this, I'm going to be sharing it without apology. Very, very interesting. I, I hope to hear from you as soon as you make that decision. What you say needs to be heard by every American. Then they can make a decision about the direction they want for the country. I think if they hear how you say it, they'll want the same vision. Vivek, thanks a million. Vivek or, uh, Ramaswamy, go to his website, VivekRamaswamy.com. Get his book called Nation of Victims. Thanks a million, my friend. Let's talk soon. Thank you, Joe. All right, brother. We're back after this. Stay right here. This is the Joe Pags Show. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Vivek Ramaswamy is a great interview. He's a great guy. CEO of several uh, different businesses, best-selling author now, and now he's talking about maybe running for president. Why the heck not? I think the guy's got his head on straight when it comes to loving America, when it comes to knowing what what this country is all about. Obviously, my choice is Trump, um, uh, but but for me, hey, Vivek is a great choice, just like DeSantis would be a great choice. The others, I'm not so sure. I'll be honest with you. I'm not so sure about the other ones because I think they're all sort of posturing. I want somebody who's going to go in there and knows the Constitution, knows why we love the country, and knows and knows how to bring it. 
So I, I'm, I'm not mad at him. I'll have to tell you that much. We'll have him on again if, if and when he decides to make that decision. Go to JoePags.com, J-O-E-P-A-G-S dot C-O-M. Click on Watch. That'll take you right to Rumble, see all my interviews, all the shorts that we do. You can go there as well on Instagram and see the reels there. Coming back. This is the Joe Pags Show.